Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. In the Lord's house, we uh, didn't get to be here Wednesday, and I, I just, I'll be honest, I don't like being uh, home when it's time for church. It just feels wrong, you know, something... You feel like something's missing, amen, like, and, 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 and I missed out. I did. We, uh, I'm thankful for the live stream. We got to tune in, and it was a blessing to, uh, to hear Brother Joe's um, devotion on praise. Uh, and and I, it was also a blessing to hear voices coming, even though I, but I couldn't hear what they were saying, so I missed out. Not really. I, I tuned up some, but I just want to say I'm thankful um, to be here today, amen. And uh, take your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be going over there for a little while this morning. I appreciate all of your prayers, and Brother Dennis, you for praying this morning as well. And I, just, uh, I do just want to be used by God. Amen. There's a, it's a good preacher. Um, some of y'all, if you got the opportunity to go to New Manus Camp Meeting last year, heard Brother Kenny Baldwin preach. Um, Brother Kenny, well, you all saw him last year. Uh, he suffered greatly in his body from when he contracted COVID in the early part of 2020. But before that, <clears throat> he was probably, if not the most, one of the most dynamic in terms of his style preachers I've ever heard. I mean, just a just a fantastic gift, you know, of preaching, if you want to say it that way. Something he would always pray almost every time when he'd preach, and he would pray before he'd preach, he would say, uh, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. It's a good alliterated three-point line to drop there in a prayer. And I've often prayed things like that as well, um, simply because preaching is a spiritual act. It takes a spiritual moving. Uh, it is a spiritual uh, moment. It is not carnal, and when it is, it's ineffective. There's no amount of, of, of physical, mental study that can fabricate the spirit in preaching. Uh, and in order for preaching to be effective, it needs the Spirit of God. And so that is my prayer this morning, that the Lord would help me uh, to just give you what He's put on my heart and that it would be filled with His Spirit. Amen? Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 19. We're going to begin reading here in just a moment. We, we actually went to this passage a few weeks back now. I'm not exactly sure when. Uh, sometime... Probably, well, I guess it was probably about three weeks ago. Um, and when I was here, and we, we, we dealt with this thought on what effect do you have on others. Uh, when I was studying out that thought, the Lord really opened a number of different verses, a lot of different texts and passages to look at. And uh, kinda, I kind of thought, well, maybe the Lord would take me back there. And uh, He's done that. And today we're going to look here at a few more things. But in Hebrews chapter 10, this was our launching pad a few weeks back, and we'll go back here again today as just sort of the place where we'll, we'll kick off today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. 
The Bible says, "...having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Now, those are some very powerful verses and very wonderful verses. Uh, and if you, you go on and you look into this thought, there's much in this in the book of Hebrews concerning how that we can now come to God. We, all, we reference often, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And it is that same thing that the author is describing in verse 19. says, having boldness to enter into the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, and He's telling us that we ought to come. And when we draw near, we should do it with a full assurance of faith, believing God, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, and that water being the water of the Word, that we should live a holy lifestyle. Amen. That it, now, when we've been saved, if you've been saved, you can approach the throne of grace. Amen. And even if you have not been saved, you can approach the throne of grace for the purpose of obtaining salvation. Uh, but if you have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, you have access to the holiest of holies, and that is a wonderful and powerful truth. That when we go to God in prayer as Christians who have been saved, that our prayers do not fall on deaf ears. Amen. I've mentioned before there's really only one prayer that a sinner prays that God earnestly hears, and that is a prayer for salvation. That until a man or a woman will cry out to God for salvation, they ought not waste their time crying out to God for anything else because they cannot truly come into the holies to seek the aid of God other than just out of God's good grace and mercy in that He has it rain on the just and the unjust. But for the child of God, we have a particular access to God, and that's in prayer. Amen. Now, in the last part of these verses, he, he's talking about now this is us. We are those who have been washed by the blood of Christ. We're in the new and living way, which hath, he said it hath consecrated for us, that's, that's us, that we are a part of this family of God. And in verse number 23 said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. So he is putting us, those who have been saved, in a group together. You can see that, right? It's us and we, us, we. Verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as... You see the day approaching. Now, we, we looked at this some weeks back, and I told you that these verses in verse 22, we see that we are together uh, because in this passage, he says three different times, let us. You see that? Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. That is that we are together in our faith. And I just told you without this crucial step, each successive attempt at living righteously will only always result in failure and disappointment. In other words, don't be surprised when a sinner is sinful. That's what they do. They have not been saved. They do not have that faith in them. And so therefore, they cannot create a spiritual work from a carnal body and a carnal mind and a carnal life. Amen. The only way that we can produce the spiritual work of faith and of living for God is by being saved. Amen. So... Let us draw near the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Then he says, uh, we're together in our faith. Then he says, we are together in our firmness. In verse 23, let us, again, hold fast the profession of our faith without 
wavering. That is to say, don't quit. Amen. Now we could just park right there for a while because I've got to say uh, we need fewer and fewer and fewer. In fact, it would be great if we could dwindle down to no one quitting. Amen. Wouldn't it be great if we just didn't have anybody else quit on God? Nobody else quit church. Nobody else quit serving God. Nobody else quit going forward for God. But we, we would see faithfulness to go forward and holding fast. That, that, that word is holding fast. It means to hold firmly in our memory and our mind's eye to keep a secure and firm possession of. In other words, don't let go of your faith. Hold fast to God and hold fast to the way that we are in. Amen. But then he says, we are to be together in our furtherance in verse number 24 where he says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. <clears throat> Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And some weeks back we talked about that, how that we asked if we were exhorting one another, right? If we were edifying one another and if we were enhancing one another, like the iron sharpeneth iron. We talked about how that us, the us in this passage, that we can narrow it down. We can talk about the, the, the spiritual church, which is to say everyone who's ever been saved is a part of the church. But really, I, I'm not interacting with those people. I'm not interacting with whoever is saved in Oklahoma every Sunday and every Wednesday. Practically speaking, if I'm going to be obeying the text of Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 24 to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, practically speaking, the way that I'm applying that verse in my life is right here in my local church where I'm a part of the assembly, right? So these verses are to us specifically. We can narrow it in when we ask that question, what effect do you have on others? Let's talk about us. That is Calvary Road Baptist Church. And if you're here this morning, uh, you're a part of that. You're a part of a us that is here. If you're saved and in the building today, then these verses apply to you and they apply to me and how that we affect one another. Amen. A couple things I want to point out to you, and I will, I will try to be brief this morning. Really just two points with some things under each one I want to speak about first. I want to ask you this question. Turn, if you got your Bible, take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter number 6. And I hope you have your Bible with you this morning. It's, it's a good idea to take your Bible to church. Galatians in chapter number 6. Uh, I love the book of Galatians. I, I love all the Bible, but I really do like... Uh, the book of Galatians, especially chapter 5 and chapter 6, there's just some really wonderful stuff in there. In the first part of chapter 6, the apostle Paul has been dealing with the fruit of the Spirit and talking about walking in the Spirit in verse number 25. And he, is, he, he talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit in the last half of chapter 5. And after, after delving into what the fruit of the Spirit are, you know, uh, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and he says, against such there is no law, he tells them they should walk in the Spirit. Someone who is spiritual, and this is going to be real deep, are you all ready? Someone who is spiritual is someone who obeys verse number 25 if, uh, of chapter 5. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Someone who is spiritual is someone who lives and walks in the Spirit. That is to say that they obey the laws of God. They produce the fruit of the Spirit. They read their Bible and pray. They are, as Paul said, spiritually minded. That they mind these things. Not just that they are saved, but that after having been saved, they are continually walking in 
the Spirit. You do know that you can walk in the Spirit or you can walk in the flesh. As a saved individual, you have those choices. But in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, here is what Paul says concerning the continuation of this idea. In verse 1 he said, Brethren, now, he's talking to a specific church, a church in Galatia. That is a local assembly. Brethren, if in this text, and now we know obviously as has been made available to us as a part of God's holy word, it now applies to us as well in this context of a church. If a man or woman be overtaken in a fault, ye which are, what's that word? Spiritual. Now I told you, a spiritual person is someone who is walking and living in the Spirit. They're not just saved, but their spirituality is a core component of their life. Amen. You can be saved and not be spiritual. Otherwise, there would be no distinction. Can you see that? Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now if you back up there in verse number 23 of chapter 5, Paul said this, meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. So who has the ability to produce meekness by the Spirit are those who are producing the fruit of the Spirit as they're walking in the Spirit. Now that just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? He said, if there's someone in your church, someone in your congregation, someone, a friend of yours, someone from your local assembly, and they have, he said, become overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, you should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Now Paul talks a lot about deceiving yourself in Galatians chapter 6. But in this very, inter- this very beginning, just these first three verses, he, he imparts to us something that is so very important that our churches need to take to heart, and that is this question that I want you to ask yourself today. Are we carrying one another? Y'all know, what, uh, y'all know the, the first murder in the Bible, Cain and Abel. We know Cain's great defense, or am I my brother's keeper? It's my business what he's doing with his life. I got my own stuff going on, right? Wasn't a great defense for him, and it's certainly not a great defense for us. Here's what the Lord is telling us through the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, that we fulfill the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens. There's a couple of ways we do that. Let me give them to you quickly. We see first that we bear, we carry one another in our weaknesses. In verse number one, that's what we're giving the example of, aren't we? He said this: if a man be overtaken in a fault. Have you ever been overtaken in a fault? You ever had a weakness? Anybody here just want to say, Brother Paul, I have weaknesses? Amen. Uh, for example, Christmas tree cakes are a great weakness of mine. Y'all know that. You know, uh, <laughs> we've all got weaknesses. And sometimes we can overcome those weaknesses. But most of the time, every time, it's a struggle. If it's really a weakness, right? Some temptation or something that, that allures us, that gets to us. Or, or maybe it's just a weakness of ours. You know, maybe we just got a really short temper. Or, or maybe we just we don't have a lot of patience for this, or, or maybe we have this, this weakness or that. We, everybody has their own weaknesses, right? We are human beings, and we all have our things we struggle with. But in verse number one, this man does not just have a weakness, 
but he has become overtaken in that fault. Can you see that? He is losing the battle against his own faults. Have you ever done that? I have. You ever been tempted and then you fail? You do that thing you ought not do. You say that thing you ought not say. You go to that place you ought not go. And suddenly you have, you have not just, you don't just have this weakness, but suddenly you're overtaken in a fault. Well, there's this man, in the, and, and Paul's giving the example of this man who has been overtaken in a fault. And here's what he said Those of you who are spiritual, you should have one goal in mind to restore such a one. Can you all see that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, Paul wrote this. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Now that right there sounds very much like an exhortation that when you look at those who maybe have a weakness, he said very, very simply, support the weak. Maybe someone who in their mind, they, they can't overcome this battle they're having, that they are feeble, weak-minded toward a certain thing, whatever it may be. Or, or he said this, to be patient toward all men. Now, that's probably the hardest one, isn't it? How many of y'all ever have trouble being patient? Amen. Megan raised her hand. Yeah, Megan's got trouble sometimes being patient. We all do, right? Sometimes I want to just, you ever just want to put your hands on somebody and shake them real good? You know, what's wrong with you? I've been there, and I know y'all have too. Paul said this in Romans 15.1, We then that are strong, you know what I know the good word for strong is? Spiritual. Ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Another word for weak there would be overtaken. Right? And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Paul is over and over and over again in three different verses, in three different places I'm showing you here, saying this. Some of y'all have been in this thing for a while. You've, went to the, you've gone to the boxing ring against the devil and against your own flesh, and you've fought and you've fought and you've fought, and you have gained victory over some things in your life, and you are a student of God's Word, and you attend unto prayer, and you are faithful to the assembling of ourselves together, right? And you are trying, you're not perfect, but you are trying to be spiritual, right? You are walking in the Spirit. You are talking with God in the Spirit. You are living right for God. And you are the, as the Word would say in Galatians chapter 6, the spiritual, ye that are spiritual. Those who, as we learn in Hebrews, said they've gone from that milk to the sincere meat of the Word. The, 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 the strong meat, rather. The sincere milk to the strong meat. That you have grown up as a Christian. Doesn't mean that you got it all figured out, but you are grown up as a Christian. You've been in this thing for a while. You're the ones that we should be looking to to count on, right? The strong ones. You should have this understanding that it is your responsibility. Now that's a word we don't like very much. But it is, let me say it like this, it is our responsibility if we are to be the spiritual, it is our responsibility to bear the infirmities of the weak. What does that mean? That one friend you've got who is always struggling, and they're always calling you, and they're, they're saying, I just don't know about this, or I don't know about that, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with that, or they're not there on a Sunday night, and they're not there on a Wednesday night, and next thing you know, they're not there on Sunday, and you think, how many times do I have to text them and say, hey, we missed you at church this week? Right? Keep doing that. Keep doing that. 
How, why? Because we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. And a big part of that burden, according to Galatians chapter, one, chapter 6, verse number 1, is when our, our brethren, someone who we know, who's a Christian, who we love, is overtaken in a fault. Unfaithfulness to church, walking in, in, in sin, or, or straying away from God and doing things he ought not do. That we have an opportunity as those who God has invested time and preaching and teaching into to strengthen us for this purpose, that we might strengthen others in their weakness. Now can I tell you this? Some people are particularly gifted at that. Some people have a, a tendency to send an encouraging text or to go by and visit or to, to make a phone call. And others of us, we have to work harder at it. But no one is excused from doing it. Amen. That when we are strong, the spiritual, those who got it, you know, you've been in safe for 20, 30 years, you've been in church all these years, and, and you, you, you read the Bible and you study and you pray, and, and God is building that up into you and He's strengthening you. The re, one of the main reasons He's doing that is so that you can be a, a shoulder to lean on for your brother who is just a little weaker. It's not that you're better. Y'all do know that, right? That's why Paul made such a strong stand in Galatians 6.1. He said this, you're spiritual. He said, go to them with a spirit of meekness that you wouldn't be tempted also. And what does that mean, that you wouldn't be tempted? For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. We're all nothing. All of us, are, our, our righteous are as filthy rags, right? There's none that doeth good. No, not one. There's none righteous. No, not one. That's all of us. But some of us are spiritual. And that is because God has invested it into us and God has blessed us and He has given us something. And what He has given us is strength to help others. Can you all see that? We're to carry one another in our weaknesses. Ye then, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's a, that's, a, that's a little bit of, a, of a, a jab. A little elbow swing into the ribs from Paul there when he said, before you think, well, you know what? I don't have time to deal with everybody else's problems. You need to understand something. You don't help them to please yourself. You help them because it pleases them and because it pleases God. That's what he said in verse 2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. That's pleasing the neighbor. But how do we know it pleases God? Because Paul told us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So why do we help those that are around us who are struggling with sin, with weaknesses, with, with not being faithful to church and with, with not sticking with the stuff? And they seem to always kind of waver and they seem to be that one that's always saying, hey, you know, saying something I'll not say or do something I'll not do. And you just kind of, hey man, you know, trying to help them. Honey, let, let, let me pray with you. Let me talk with you. Trying to help them. Why, do you, why should you keep doing that? Not because it pleases you to do it but because it pleases them, because it's good for them to their edification, and because it pleases God, because that's how you fulfill the law of Christ. It's pretty simple, isn't it? So we are carrying, are we, rather, are we carrying one another in our weaknesses? Are we carrying one another in our weeping? Certainly true, the, the verse so often heard reference to quoted man that's born of a woman is a few days of full of trouble from Job chapter 14. We read some verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, read you a few more here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll back it up actually to verse number 8. Here's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day, now who's that? 
Those who are of the day are those who are of the light, and that's God's people. We're not of the night, we're of the day. We're not of darkness, we're of light. Amen? So let us, there's another let us, you see that. Let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, edify one another, even as also you do. Wherefore what? Because we are saved, because we are not appointed unto wrath, because we are now together with God and a part of the us, of His people, because of who we are, because of what we have experienced in salvation, we should comfort ourselves together. Now there are many other verses I could read to you about comforting one another, but I think that suffices it to say, very simply, those of us who are saved must take into consideration that we should be comforting one another in our weeping. Now sometimes that's very clear in what it is. The loss of a loved one. We've had members of our church quite recently lose loved ones. Brother Dennis and uh, some of Brother Travis just very recently. And over the last few years, so many, if we could be honest. So many funerals, so many losses. And this morning, I got a text of Brother Josh England who preached for us not too long ago. His grandmother passed away this morning. And it's just a, it's just a constant fact of life, isn't it? Of, of that sort of loss and how that it comes. And because of those sort of things, life is often wrought with difficult days. We experience loss. Other times it's not that. Sometimes it's just fears. Y'all ever get stressed? You ever get stressed about stuff that you shouldn't be stressed about? You ever fear things you shouldn't fear? I got a text from a friend the other day, asked me to pray for him, said he was just really struggling. He was, he was a word that we would commonly use today is an anxiety, a spirit of fear had, had come on him about something. And he said, and I know it's irrational. There's no reason for me to be freaking out about this, but for some reason, I can't get this worst case scenario out of my head. It's a doomsday clock going on, and I need you to pray for me. And I was like, all right. Do I understand that? Not necessarily. Not, I've never experienced exactly what he was experiencing, but I do know this. <clears throat> the Lord is telling us quite clearly, those of us who are saved, we ought to bear the infirmities of those around us when they are experiencing weeping. When they need comfort, we should be a comfort. You know what's not really a comfort? Now, let, me, let me preface this by saying, there are some cases where this sort of a phraseology might be necessary. Suck it up, buttercup. I've heard that plenty of times. From my dad, you know, things like, don't be a sissy, stuff like that. My papa, you know, boy, you'll be all right. It's just a little blood. Pick it up and go on. You'll be fine. But when you got a brother or a sister and they're going through something and it's really got them burdened down, and in your mind you think, this makes no sense. It's not your job to straighten them out on why they're wrong for being afraid or upset. It is your job to bear that burden and to comfort them. You see that? Now, there might, there might be a time where you got to say, you know, quit you like men, be strong. I mean, that's Bible, right? we gotta just, we got to bear through it. And we're, we're here with you, right? But have some compassion. Amen. Spirit of compassion, spirit of love and meekness. And you know, one of those spirits, uh, the fruit of the spirit that is often glossed over is gentleness. Amen. 
It's not always easy to be gentle with someone, is it? But it is right to be gentle. Amen. Jesus was. Jesus is about as meek and gentle as anyone ever has been. People like to use that one time he flipped the tables as the example of who he was, but that was one of many where he went the total opposite way. The truth is, most of the time when it comes to comfort, when it comes to comforting someone in their weeping, it requires a gentle hand. It requires a hand of, of love, meekness, gentleness, of going to them as they're experiencing fear, as they're experiencing anxieties, as they're experiencing uncertainties. Because here's the truth. Sometimes change is forced upon us. Amen? That we had no desire for, that we do not want. You ever had that sort of change forced upon you? You say, God, I'd do anything, I, anything to, to, to stop this from happening. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing anyone else can do. And now this is the situation you're dealing with. Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. That is one of the primary reasons I believe that the Lord has given us the church. And specifically for us, practically, right? Calvary Road Baptist Church. For this reason. Not only in our weaknesses, but in our weeping. When we suffer, when we face uncertainties, that we can bear one another's burdens. How do you do that? You do that in, in prayer, obviously. You do it in prayer. When someone puts a post on that Facebook page on Wednesday night, we come in here, pray for so-and-so, they're having surgery, or, or this is going on, or that's going on. Actually pray for them. Pray for them in here on Wednesday night. Pray for them out there the rest of the day. Ask the Lord to strike your heart with a burden for someone. I, keep a, I try to keep an active prayer list, and if anybody ever mentions something to me, I go to their name on my prayer list, and I put out there what it is so I don't forget, because, because I may have the greatest intention in the world, but if I fail to pray, I've failed them. Right? When someone says, will you pray for me? You say, yeah, absolutely, I'll pray for you. But then when, if, you, if, you let it, if you let it slip, you, you have failed to, to bear their burden. So bear it in prayer. Amen. Buried in presence. Sometimes all they need you to do is sit there, shut up, and listen to what they got to say. Amen? Ask them how they're doing, and when they talk for 20 minutes about it, you sit there and you say amen. And you listen, and you, they ask a question, you answer, and you, you tell them you, you love them, you pray for them. Sometimes it's through provision. Sometimes there are things we can do, we can give, we can actively, actively with our hands put our work and our, our gift to it to help them, and we can comfort and help one another sometimes. Amen. Help your brethren with the things that God has given you to help them in their weeping. I think we're only going to get through one of these today. Are we carrying one another in their weaknesses? Are we carrying one another in our weeping? Are we carrying one another in our want? 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Excuse me, verse 16, 1 John chapter 3. I'll read it to you here. 1 John is a wonderful book. It's strong. It's a strong book. Much of what you read in 1 John, you'll find paralleled in the Gospel of John. And in John chapter number 15, the Lord Jesus tells them uh, that if they love Him, that their love for Him will be shown in that they love one another. That's what, John, that's what the Lord Jesus told John 
and the other disciples in John 14 and 15 before He went on to the cross. That's where He said, Greater love hath no man this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this, Hereby, y'all see that? Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now we talked about the brethren practically. Who is that? That's, that's right here. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his, brother's, his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Go ahead and read these next two verses. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. Hmm. According to 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 19, one of the greatest assurances that you have that you know that you are of the truth, which is to say that you're saved and that you are a part of the family of God and that you are truly saved, is this, that you love the brethren. Your love for the brethren gives you assurance of your faith. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced a carnal desire to want to tell somebody to just hit the road? I won't ask if you've ever followed through on that desire. Because I'll be honest with you. I have. I have in my heart written someone off. Have you? Every single time I can say where I've come up to that edge and, and I, have, I have in my heart thought, I'm done. Every time the Holy Ghost has come along to me and He has corrected me. And the correction always goes the same way. Because He doesn't need new material. The correction is this. Well, you know, I mean, that makes sense. Jesus wrote you off, right? No because hereby we perceive the love of God in us. We perceive the love of God because He laid down His life for us. And because He laid down His life for us, we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. So what does that mean? Jesus loved you, according to the book of Romans, when you were yet a sinner. Knowing everything you were going to do, knowing every time you were going to call for help, He was going to help you, and then you were going to renege and go back on what you said and mess it up again. He helped you again every single time. And he went all the way and even laid down his own life for you. And guess what? He'd do it again. And if that's the love of God and that's true love, then that's the kind of love we've got to have for others. And we've got to be willing to help others when they need help. And <clears throat> we've got to be willing to open up our bowels of compassion for them. Because if we're not willing to open up our bowels of compassion when we see a brother has need. And you know what I find is so backwards about this, Brother Joe? Sometimes I think Christians are more willing to open up their bowels of compassion for a sinner in their need than for a brother in their need. Now, should we be willing to help a sinner? Absolutely. We should. We have to show charity and love, and we love them, and we want to give them the gospel. We want to reach them. But how dwells the love of God in someone who says they're a Christian who won't open their bowels of compassion for one of their own brethren? That's what Jesus said. He told His disciples, you love Me, have the same love for one another that I had for you. 
to the brethren. When we see a brother or a sister in need, it is our God-given responsibility, our duty to bear their burden in helping them as we can. Sometimes there are wants in the life of a brother that we do not have the power to fulfill. That's just the truth, isn't it? Sometimes there's things, you know, I might see my brother over here and he's working, a, he's working 60 hours a week and barely making ends meet and, and his car breaks down and I can't fix it. It's, got a, it's going to have to have a whole new motor, a whole new engine. And I don't have the, you know, <clears throat> 10 grand or whatever to go put one in there or whatever it's going to take. I, if I had it, I'd give it to him. You know, you ever felt that way? If I had it, I'd just give it to you. Sometimes you don't. And you're scrambling for what you can do to help. And sometimes, it's a, sometimes it can be some big thing. I remember when I was young, I think I was in middle school, my, my grandma, <clears throat> Gurney, and, and Tammy were up in, uh, over at North Carolina for something. They were visiting Tony. My papa was at home. And there was an electrical fire in their old house, and it caught fire, and everything they owned burnt to the ground. So my stuff was in there. My dad and his brothers had this big collection of old Star Wars action figures from the 70s and 80s. I still weep over those action figures. Just a kid, a little bit. All that stuff gone. Now there's some things in there that say, ah, we can replace that. You can replace clothes, right? You can replace a bed, replace a couch. But you know what could not be replaced? All those photo albums. All those old heirlooms they'd had. And a lot of that stuff's just gone. A lot of churches around home, you know, our church and Tony's church up there and other churches that knew our family and got word, they, they sent stuff. And it was a wonderful blessing what God did to help my grandma and them during that hard time. And y'all have seen things like that. We, we, just, we, we sent money back at the end of last year to those in Mayfield after everything they endured with those tornadoes and all that stuff. And we do what we can, but there are some times you, you don't have it in your power to actually fix or replace or to, to replenish what their want is. But what if you do? If you do, here's what you need to understand. God often supplies one of His children with exactly what a brother or sister needs for this very reason. To enable us to be the help that they need. And that is how we know that God's love dwells in us. It's what separates us from the world. It separates us. There's charities and nonprofit organizations and all that good stuff, and they're doing, we'll say, good things out there. But when it comes to God's people, I want to make something clear for both sides of this fence. If someone is experiencing a want, a need in their life, and they're a part of this local assembly, this needs to be the first place they come seeking help. Because that's the way God wants it. Now, I know pride sometimes gets in the way and we don't want to appear weak. and We don't want to appear like we have a want. But let me encourage you. God has literally designed this for your good. So if you find yourself in a want or a need, and I understand, you know, sometimes like, man, that one, it seems like that's a bell that gets rung a lot. Sometimes God puts those people with us where we are because they are going to have needs and we're the ones He wants to fill it. Amen. 
Let me also say this. If you are one and you're here and a brother comes to you or a sister comes to you or you get word, which is the way it usually works, isn't it? Somebody tells someone, tells someone. This one needs help. Let's guard our hearts. Let's guard our hearts to never let the devil tell us, ah, no. Don't let the devil steal away from you a blessing from God. God loves to see His children love one another. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? By bearing one another's burdens. In our weaknesses, absolutely. Spiritual, going to them that are overtaking the fault and restoring them. To those who are weeping, yes, to be a comfort to them and help them. But those who have a want in their life, a need, an area where they, they can't fill it, they're, they're, they're low and they're down and they don't know what they're going to do and, and think they, they've had bad luck or maybe they've even made a bad choice, but regardless, at the end of the day, here they are and we see them. Don't let the devil, don't let carnality cause you to close up what the Bible calls your bowels of compassion. When you look on them, look on them in love and say, God, if I can be used to be a blessing to them, Use me. Amen? That is what it means to carry one another. When you are carrying someone, or you are carrying something, you are placing the weight of that burden on yourself. I was back there talking to Darian just a few minutes ago, and he said something about being tired. I said, you want me to stand back here and hold you up? He said, you want to? I said, I would. That's what it is. Carry it. Kind of like that Simon of Cyrene who carried that cross for the Lord Jesus. Kind of like how He carries us through the greatest burdens and trials of life. But there are times in this walk where the Lord Jesus gives us an opportunity to go to one of our brethren whom we love, whom we're supposed to, to truly love, and to carry their weight at a time when they can't. Amen? So we're going to stop there this morning. Let me just ask you this question. Are you carrying one another? Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.